Ready to put the art in artwork? Check out friend of the podcast Danielle Molman's online interactive series, Crafting Your Artistic Handbook. By the end of this six-week class, you'll have a set of rituals geared towards ongoing artistic growth, an accountability process designed to help you reach your goals, and a sustainable documentation method designed to grow and change as you do. Register and learn more at bit.ly slash originalcastfriend and use the code original at checkout for 20% off. That's bit.ly slash originalcastfriend, code original. The following episode was recorded at Broadway Records. Go to broadwayrecords.com to view and purchase from their extensive catalog of cast albums, solo albums, and live recordings. This week's randomly selected Broadway Records release found by scrolling through my phone is... Oh God, the original off-Broadway cast recording of The Shag's Philosophy of the World. Oh my God, you have to hear this. Go to YouTube and listen to The Shag's Philosophy of the World first and then buy this album and listen to the crap out of it. Oh my God, this is so great. Again, go to broadwayrecords.com and check out all the wonderful releases on sale today. Whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a singer and an actress. It's Bonnie Milligan, everybody. Oh, hey. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you for coming down today yeah, here at Broadway Records, where we are recording. Thanks to lovely Robbie Rizell for setting that up for us. <laughs> and you can soon hear Bonnie on R- Robbie's live album. Yeah. I'm very excited. I kickstarted that as it well. It was so fun. I'm very excited to hear that. But we're not here to talk about Robbie. <laughs> much Aww. though he might enjoy. Yeah, he well, would he, like he would that. certainly like that. No, we're here to talk about Thoroughly Modern Miller. But the fact is, everything today is thoroughly modern. Check your personality. To raise your skirts and bob your hair Have you seen the way they kiss in the movies? Isn't it collectible? Painting lips and pencil lining your brow Now it's quite respectable Goodbye, good goody girl I'm changing and how So beat the drums Cause here comes Thoroughly Modern Millie now Yes How did Thoroughly Modern Millie come into your life? Oh, my gosh. Um, I got the album. Oh, gosh. I think I I was probably in uh, high school. And um, I started, I would go to, like, Barnes & Noble, you know, and look at what what the latest uh, cast albums were out there. And I was a big Julie Andrews fan. Okay. So um, So you knew the movie? So I knew the movie. Mm -hmm. So I was excited about what this musical would be. And I fell in love with the cast album. And then I think I read somewhere like in a People magazine article, they had an article on Sutton and Hunter Foster and how Mm -hmm. they were siblings and how um, they had been in Michigan and now they're both on Broadway. And I just was like super endeared by that. And I was a Midwest girl. So um, I know they're actually originally Southern, but I think they both ended up in Michigan, which is what I held on to. Um, And so anyway, my mom took me on a trip to New York for my birthday and we got to, she bought tickets to Thoroughly Modern Millie. And then I think we like went to 
the TKTS line and got sure. tickets for You're in Town oh, okay. and Man of La Mancha while we were there, which was a pretty good a trip. trip. It was a good oh trip. Gosh. I mean, come on. I saw I saw Man of La Mancha in yeah. that run. Yeah, I saw this on tour afterwards. Okay. But yes, and I have seen You're in Town subsequently as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, You're in Town and Millie are very, very different shows. Very uh, different shows. <laughs> and it was one of like the town I was in too. I think why I like gravitated towards it was literally like a one light town. Mm. So um, that just and I wanted to move to New York, so it was like this idea. Well, the story of <laughs> the Millie, story then, of Millie. All, like straight up in New- So for yeah. those who don't know, do you think you could summarize the plot of Thoroughly Modern Millie? Of Thoroughly Modern Millie, yes. sure. So you have Miss Millie who um, moves to New York to you know marry a rich man <laughs> and live a good life, mm-hmm. and like the opening number, she's all like bright eyed and bushy tailed, and uh, then gets like mugged, <laughs> and it's like, what's my life? But it's like, you know what? No, this yeah. is fine. She rips up her you know ticket back home and says i'm gonna make this happen um and moves into what is it like a a, a place for women i guess yeah, it's like a quasi hotel which they used to apartment. have back in the yeah. day like young actresses would like live and like i remember i think it's like carol burnett's book talking about like sharing an audition dress amongst all the girls they like lived with oh my gosh um Anyway, so she because this is like the twenties, yeah, the twenties, twenties, yeah, pre-depression New York, and moves in there and uh, meets a a good friend um, who is actually like (laughs) undercover trying to like live the poor life. She's like secretly (laughs) super super rich. I love that. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, her whole mission is let me find uh, a man, and she is like a stenographer who's really really good at it, Mm -hmm. and goes. Not an audition, but interviews sort of. for interview, yeah. Trevor Graydon, right? And um, is <laughs> yeah, and then of course, like love finds the way. There's like crazy subplots, and um, Shirley Ralph, like, what's wrong with that? Nothing, right. nothing at all. <laughs> and lots of good belting, tapping, and laughs. And Gavin Creel, and Gavin, my wife's Creel. boyfriend, as she calls him, oh, <laughs> dreamy. <laughs> we saw him in Bounce at the Kennedy Center. Yes, on the pre on that tour, and she was just like. We just did uh, Broadway Backwards this week. Oh, really? Um, yeah. He w- did the opening number with Andrew Rannells, and I had a number with Deb Monk, casual. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I met Lucky. him at one of the, like, designer run-throughs. And sure. he was like, hey, in a casual. I was right. just acting casual because I was like, yeah, hey, good yeah, to meet right. you. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, whatever. Same page. It's fine. Yeah. Lies. I was just dying inside. Right. Yeah. <laughs> He's so good. He's so nice. Tony Award winner now, Kevin Creel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you're no slouch, but don't, uh, <laughs> don't, 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 don't hold yourself down too far there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I, I don't know about Deborah Monk, though. That would knock me down. So I, Oh, I yeah, I died. What would you sing with her? Um, I did. I met a girl from Bells Are Ringing. Sure. Yeah. Oh, wow. And she was like a grouchy New Yorker that I run up to on a park bench. And I'm like, hey, I got to talk to somebody. She's like, leave me alone. And then I break out into I met a girl. And then she's like super supportive and adorable. And at one point was like, somebody get her to the cubby hole. (laughs) That's pretty great. Oh, Oh, man. That sounds wonderful. It was a really good number. Yeah. No, it sounds like it. I absolutely love it. Yes. You you hinted at, uh, I mean, I love this show. I love um, Third of the Mountain. Robbie tells me you sing. Uh, something from from this. Gimme, gimme. You think gimme, gimme? Yeah. Here I am, St. Valentine. My bags are packed. I'm first in line. Aphrodite, don't forget me. Romeo and Juliet, me fly. Dove, six sparrow. Give me fat boy's famous arrow. Give me, give me that thing. Come, 
Belting Bonnie Milligan. Yeah, it's a fun one. That and uh, I hear at cabarets a lot is um, only in New York. Oh, Though that's a good it, song. I don't hear it in New York a lot. but Yeah, I, hear I feel it. like I never hear that song, but it's a good song. Yeah, it's a really good song and comes very late in Act One in a in a funny little like dramatic turn. Because <laughs> um, this is, I mean, it's based on a film, yeah. like we say, with uh, Julie Andrews and... Um, Carol Channing. Car- and uh, Mary Tyler Moore. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. Because what was so funny, I saw the movie after I saw the show. And I assumed that Sutton Foster played the Mary Tyler Moore part, right? Because visually, that makes a lot duh. of sense, yeah. But of course, she doesn't. She plays the Julie Andrews yeah. part, <laughs> which is which is the lead. I mean, it's Millie in the, yeah. in, the, in the performance. My favorite scene in the movie, it comes very early, is the uh, the tap dancing to make the elevator to go make up. the elevator go. Yeah, <laughs> what a musical conceit! It's the, so well, good. Well, to make the elevator go, we have to tap. Yeah, and then and then they do. Uh, so was that your f- was that your first Broadway sh- show with a Millie run or did you go and see other shows? No, before? I had gone on a trip. I'd seen, I think Rent was my very first oh show. My. Um, like a year or two before. Mm-hmm. And then I saw um, Aida mm. at the end of its run. And um, what else did I see? You're just doing an Adam Pascal roundabout there. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are, the, those are the two I saw before Millie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then three. I mean, hello. That's a good week. And what's funny is this was back in the day during um, TLC's A Makeover Story. Oh, okay. Which was an old show. Yeah. And so we went on like maybe a Saturday matinee or a Sunday matinee. And we, you know, I'd heard about the stage door, didn't really know all that much. So my mom and I like went and found it out with the Marriott Marquis. Right. And there weren't very many people. And, um, she came out and there was like a camera crew and I was like, what's going on? We had to like sign like waivers and stuff because they were filming for a makeover story for, cause they did an episode of Sutton and Jen Cody, her Uh sister-in-law, um, (laughs) giving them like Broadway makeovers. (laughs) Not a funny period. So they were there to like film her, like leaving a stage door. And I was there that day. (laughs) That's really funny. Cause if you don't remember this, cause it was however many years ago, there was a period in time where those like ambush makeover shows, yeah. Were, it was every other show. It oh, yeah. It feels like to me. I'm just now looking at the Wikipedia page for Millie and something has caught my eye. Do you see this? This column? Notre- the Notre what? Dame 29. Yeah, someone's hacked the Wikipedia page. Wow. Check it out real fast because it's got all the casts in it leading all the way up to the 2019 Notre Dame High School production. Thank God. <laughs> which somebody just added their column. And so get and look at that and Whoa. see uh, that Millie was played by <laughs> Catherine Katie Wheeler. There you go. God bless kids. Whoever did that, good job. <laughs> I want to say it might have been Catherine Katie Wheeler who took the time Francesca to give Franny Trinidad to there, give her Muzzy Van Hossman. Oh my god! So this is what, and I, I have, but I honestly, the thing I'm respecting the most about this uh, is that I would have done that if I was in high right. School. You're like, you know what? I would have been like, I'm going to add Wikipedia. myself to this history. It's true. Hey, it's not not it's not true. not true. All right, that's the, that's the most important thing of uh, of it all. So, of those three shows of seeing, you know, Millie, You're in Town, and uh, um, Man of La Mancha, why was this one the one that you that like really stuck out for you? I think it was that that story of like <laughs> the one light town to New York, mm-hmm. something I wanted to do, and it was so such a Broadway musical. You know what I mean? With it like is, the yes, tapping with, the with everything, B. and yeah, yeah. Um, and also, I was like floored by Sutton Foster because she was so funny. Mm-hmm. 
funny. Like mm-hmm. that I've always gravitated towards comedians and like I, you know, think of myself as a comedian. And so I was floored by <laughs> not only like the vocals and the dancing, but most of all how funny she was. Mm-hmm. Um and so I was like, oh, just in awe of her. And I had such a great time. And that was the one album I had listened to before I came to mm. New York and mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> had no idea what Urine Town was. I'm obsessed with Urine Town as well. Um, but like Very that, different show. that was such a funny, like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, where we laughed so hard. And again, the comedy I love. Oh, sure. And then Man of La Mancha, how, I mean, Brian well, yeah, Stokes Brian Mitchell Stokes just Mitchell, singing right, at you. No, Come on. 100%. Yeah, yeah. That's. You're just crying. You're like, what's going on? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I had the weird experience of seeing that when I was at the, well, the Martin Beck at the time, at the Hirschfeld now, um, of sitting under the balcony at the Hirschfeld Uh and then couldn't see the top of the set. And I remember sitting there being like, why is everybody looking up? Oh, no. And then, because we went to TKTS and got Man on the so you just sit wherever you sit. Yeah. And then after the show was over, my wife and I kind of walked up the aisle and went, oh, yeah, well, that would have been handy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mo- yeah, moving yeah, on. Yeah. That's why we've, we've ever since then have always tried to sit balcony. Just yeah. to see, you can see everything see the whole from the balcony. Stage. It's the best way to do things. Uh, so has, as somebody who did, did, did the thing, moved to New York and, and yeah. has been on the Broadway and yeah. is doing the whole the whole run. Um, Still trying to find a rich man. Well, see if that works out. Well, but that, <laughs> see, that's what's so funny about the plot of this to me is that she sets out to find a rich man and she picks um, the uh, quote unquote poor quote one unquote. who's actually super rich. Right, who's actually secretly super rich. Yeah. yeah. And, and then the rich guy she picks, this is the part of the show that always kind of loses me for a second. Yeah. He and he at first seems to end up with her roommate, who is the super rich girl trying to slum it. Yeah, and then she ends up with one of the oh yeah washer people, uh, the Mrs. Mears like henchmen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And Miss then, Dorothy. Right, and then Trevor Graydon ends up alone. Well, he's kind of annoying, you know. He's, oh, do you think he's annoying? I mean, he's sort of not annoying, but like self obsessed in a way that you're like girl why are you into him i don't i just remember into her no yeah because i was like uh he's boring you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like mark kudish hilarious and wonderful yes yes yes. uh but i mean like for millie out you know in the story i was like don't go for him um for gavin creel and in the movie they do end up together right miss dorothy and yes um, Trevor Graydon. So yes. I feel like that was just like the stage production trying to like add, add another switch it up layer. a little bit. Yeah, well, that's fair, I guess. Yeah. Um, I forgot about that. That's so funny. It's an interesting score, especially because, I mean, it's you know, if you look at the credits, it's obviously Janine Tesori wrote music, Dick Scanlon lyrics, and Richard Morris co wrote the book with Dick Scanlon. But there's also other songs yeah. randomly Falling thrown in. Yeah, and some... some from the movie, but then also like the type test. Dear Mr. Hudson, colon. My eyes are fully open to my awful situation So I'm writing you a letter to demand an explanation When the Foax that we bought from you arrived here Monday morning We discovered upon usage that the few should have a warning Since the only possibility is that your wax is rancid I request a full refund of all the money we advance and unless you can convince me you've improved the Florex batter, we will take our business elsewhere. So I hope you solve this matter. Is um, 
My Eyes Are Fully Open to This Awful Situation from Rudigor by Gilbert and Sullivan. My eyes are fully open to my awful situation. I shall go at once to Roderick and make him an oration. I shall tell him I've recovered my forgotten moral senses and I don't get up and save any for any consequences. Now I do not want to perish by disorder by the dagger, but a martyr may indulge in the pardon of a swagger. And I'll order to a compliment my vanity would flatter, but I've got to die tomorrow, so it really doesn't matter. 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 And just add it in. I mean, it's public domain. They can do that if they want to. But it's it's a funny little, not a typical Broadway score in that sense. Because, yeah. I mean, the movie was a success, but it was it's hardly like a staple yeah, or no. standard of the of mu- movie musical canon. Yeah, for sure, no. Um, a big lavish '60s Cinemascope, you know, musical right. comedy. <laughs> uh, but is is not one that I had seen or even I think heard of before it came to the stage, and I think my parents knew it. Were like, oh yeah, I kind of remember that movie. Yeah. but it's not one of the ones that the Julie Andrews ones you'd see on television in right. rotation, along with Sound of Music and Mary. Well, Poppins. it's also cheeky. You know, there's like that whole sequence where she has she puts on the long beads right. like a flapper does, right. but they keep going like in between her boobs because right. her boobs are too big. Right, and then it's like silent movie style, so she's like makes a face and then tries to move them, and they keep moving around, and she's just like. Uh, like that is hilarious. <laughs> just like a little, oh, like yeah, just focusing like, uh. on Julie Andrews' chest. Right, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. For a little, for a little while there. Yeah. Yeah, sure. But not full like SOB. Not SOB, <laughs> right. Okay. No, so, certainly little not. Diff, little diff, little A little different, yeah. yeah. And, and many years earlier, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's very true. Well, that's and that's the thing of it being like, it's amazing to me also that, that Sutton Foster wasn't the first choice for this part. Um and came out of the chorus, yeah, to to sort of to take over it because she's the look of her, yeah, is a thousand percent perfect, yeah, for a show set in the twenties. She just yeah. has that absolute, and also why in the drowsy chaperone, she's she's so yes perfect for that. Yes. it's almost like, and I've seen, I saw this on the tour. Obviously, I've seen drowsy chaperone since, but when you see her do parts like that, you really Violet was the same way. I felt it's hard to yeah. imagine anyone else playing those roles which is you know it's a remarkable talent that she yeah. has for that kind of like that unique presence you sort of think well anyone who's doing this after her is just going to be doing a variation on what on she's what's, doing. On, yeah. on what she's been doing um and she did win tony for it obviously um Happy. which is such a i mean if you it, it's so funny that her actual journey in this show the kind of parrot uh, parallels the journey of the character she's playing in the yeah. show, coming to New York. And now she'd been on Broadway before and done, I think she did Les Mis, and she, you know, she'd been a working actress. But to be plucked out of the chorus, like in a movie, put in the lead, then the show's a hit, and she wins the Tony, must yeah. have been like tremendously overwhelming yeah. for her in that, in that moment. I can't even, and you know, she wins uh, in a category that she's sharing with like Nancy Opal and Vanessa Williams. Like, that's that's quite a quite a group to be with. It, it's almost perfect. It's not quite because um, because Hunter did not win right. that year. Um, I'm sure he was fine with that. But you know, it's it's a uh, who did he? Who was he up against? Or was he not nominated? He was nominated. No, wasn't he? I thought he was, but he was not. What? No, he was not nominated. <gasps> that's crazy. Ah, no. Gavin was nominated. John Lithgow won for Sweet Smell Success, but John McMartin for Into the Woods, Patrick Wilson for Oklahoma, and John Cullum for Urinetown was lead actor. John Cullum was? Yeah. I mean, and then, I guess he was the co He was. Co- yeah. Well, it's always... See, that, that's funny to me, is always whether someone's nominated as a lead 
or a featured uh-huh. in something, especially like You're in Town, that is very ensemble. ensemble. Like, obviously, Sutton Foster is going to be nominated for lead actress. She's the right, title role. of course. But in You're in Town, I mean, Hunter's the hero. Yeah. But is and John's he, like the villain. John's the villain. And but, you know, so that maybe they both would be for lead actor. But John's name would have been above the title, which I know carries some weight with the Tony committee. These are the things that reveal like when you get into the nitty gritties of awards, you go, oh, these things are weird. Yeah. I think if your name's above the title, I mean, you would really have to like petition to be considered featured. Right. If your name's above the title. title. But I know you could. Well, because there was. You can change that now, but there was a period of time. Oh, because something with a little night music, right? Yeah, it was. There was controversy with night music because everybody was. Was it everybody? No, no, but they have the two names above. Yeah, the two names above, and then also, but the the ones I always remember reading about are um, uh, William Daniels in seventeen seventy six because everyone was below the title, and he was John Adams. He was nominated for featured actor, even though he's the lead of the show. Yeah. Um, but also like it's why Dick Van Dyke. Even they played the lead in Bye Bye Birdie has a featured actor Tony Award because again the whole cast was below the title because there were no right. stars. You know, right. He was a gnome, but he wasn't a star at the time. Right. Um, so yeah, it's just that tricky little. But I think it's one of the reasons they've since changed it that the, that's part of the rubric that the producers can submit for somebody to be yeah. lead or featured or or however it is. Um, yeah, you know, we just get into the oh Shuler Hensley won that year for uh, Oklahoma. Revival playing Judd Fry. Oh. Hmm. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm getting lost in the Tony nominations of that year because it's always well, but it's funny to look back. I mean, the show is 17 years old at this point, and it's always funny to look back at the shows that were nominated and what they were and what ran and what didn't. Yeah. And what like because like Thoroughly Modern Millie beat out You're in Town, as we say, which is a show that's still done a lot in regional theaters. It also beat out Mamma Mia, which was the breakout hit of that season and ran for years and years and years and years uh and it's just funny to think that but on that night it was it was the early modern millie's night and yeah yeah as the big as the most i think of that four with sweet smell success the most traditional yeah of the musicals in that group which i will honestly say when i was in my early 20s as i was when the show came out would not have been my choice. I would have been the much more grumpy, avant-garde college student talking about you're in town. But when I saw Millie, it's just so well done. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it was Broadway. Right. Yeah. But, it, but with a uh, with a gen like a genuine artistic point of view. For about sure. It, that was what, and that's the Janine Tesori of it all to me. Is, yeah. is the, the sort of well, and Dick Scanlon. Yeah. I mean, that's a and Michael Mayer. Yeah, the whole yes, it's a good point. I mean, the whole creative team was really like, it, it's a movie adaptation, sure, and it's a movie adaptation yeah. of a musical movie. Uh, but it, it being a movie that wasn't a huge hit and being a title that wasn't super well known, you know, yeah. it's not big or something. Uh, it, it kind of they they were allowed to play with it a lot and really make it a stage musical. And when I saw the movie, I really was struck by. How much of a like they had changed to make it suit the stage that they had been kind of unafraid to re- reorder scenes, change characters, yeah. make things you know pop, change and shift. Michael's really, I mean, I wasn't part of that process, but working on Head Over Heels with him, he's just he's really smart mm-hmm. with a lot of stuff, and he knows how to build a show and being like, well, we should reorder this or, mm-hmm. for instance, my um, I my big freak out. Mm-hmm. 
song at the end of Act One. How much more room every mm-hmm. time and we got to san francisco and immediately it stopped working in mm. a big house mm-hmm. and we were like oh no right. like what's gonna happen and it's kind of like important for the character arc but like why does this song not work anymore right. and like what's happening and the way that he was like okay we need to remove this dialogue here because i think it's we we just need to jump into this song okay and then that started to then that started to work and then we moved how i emerged and we added some lines and we did something and then it worked and then we came to new york and it stopped working and you're like oh my god <laughs> and so then he read arranged it again in previews and was like hmm. okay we actually cut all this dialogue and pop up and musically can we just hear a boom and then this and then all of a sudden it worked mm mm-hmm. So it's that kind of stuff that he's like, well, let's restructure this because Mm -hmm. the moment is necessary and will work, Mm -hmm. but something is different in this city or in this space or, you know, and um, it was just fascinating the way to be like, whoa, like, because every time in the room, you know, you're like, yeah, nailing it, nailing it. They're like, oh no, what am I doing wrong? And Mm -hmm. he's like, no, it's not you. It's the, it's, um, it's a different space. It's a different space. And it's, um, we need to serve it better. You're serving it fine. Cause I was like, I'm so, I don't know why I'm failing. Oh, that's nice that he was. You're not like, we just got to figure it out. Because you would, I mean, as most actors I've worked with, you yeah. can just internalize it. Like, well, I'm doing it, and it yep. was working, and it's not, so <laughs> yeah. I'm doing something different. Yeah. And there's yeah. nothing worse, I think, than an actor set out trying to fix something like that. Yeah. Because you can't see it. Yeah, no, yeah. You're, you're in just, it. You're just doing it. And like, mm-hmm. yep, okay, I guess I'll, I'll try harder. And uh-huh. then, that, and then that becomes bad. Yeah. So he's and like, no, 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 no. That's uh-huh. good to have a hand like that in somebody yeah. who can really have the... Because it, it's always hard to pull something you've been doing that's been working and tear it apart because there is the worst instincts of us also is to say, oh, it's the audience's fault. They're just not getting right. what we're doing. Right. And it's true. They're not getting what you're doing, but that doesn't mean they're wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because it is a different, the difference between the rehearsal room and the stage is, yeah, is everything. And when you're working on a show, you don't really know what it is until you put it up in front of a group of, a group of people. How do you find previews um, versus out of town specifically? I mean, are they, previews are, are great in the fact that I feel like most of the audiences are there because they love a preview process. Mm-hmm. Um, or some are there because the, maybe the tickets are cheaper. Who knows? Sure. But like, I feel They're like... They're not mutually exclusive. You can like both. But I do feel like there's a generous spirit in the room, I think. Mm. Um, and what's kind of exciting and awful about previews is that it's nonstop. So, you know, you're in rehearsal during the day getting changes... Um, every day that you don't have a two show day mm-hmm. and then uh, you're doing the show and if it works, it works. And luckily, at least even with Michael, they don't immediately cut it. You know, it's mm. like, well, it's not necessarily in your bones. Let's try this one more time. And if it right. works, it doesn't work or, you know, um, we'd even tried like a, a 
prologue because a very um I don't know if I'm allowed to the, uh, like a famous playwright came and saw the show. Oh, okay. And then was like maybe like a prologue would work. And Michael was like, "Okay, we'll try it." Sure. And then we yeah. tried it twice and it was not it good. Yeah. And you're like, "Got it. Well, we tried right. it." Well, good. Good note. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um, you know, man had a lot of awards. So you're like, "Well, we'll try it." Sure. All your awards. Right. Um but uh it's it's a good generous spirit of like well let's play which I like about mm-hmm. previews, um, but previews are hard when you're trying to remember all your changes sure. you know and um, your dialogue and your scene so you're before the next scene you're looking at a paper like what are my changes here okay yep that okay got it got it got it mm-hmm. and you go on and <clears throat> at least with head over heels I had maybe like. 10 minutes total out of the whole show I wasn't on stage so it was a little hard to like remember what is what's different here or what's happening or do I need to pick something up or did that choreography change and Mm -hmm. um but that's also thrilling but you know it's like a double-edged sword oh sure yeah and how does that differ from like out of town like pre-town tryout um, I mean, out of town, you do the same thing. So mm-hmm. you go out, you have previews, you're doing the same thing, and then you do freeze it. Um, oh, okay. While you're out of town, mm-hmm. but like just for the rest of your time there, because you're getting reviews there too. So you want to freeze before those reviews, right? And then um, they make their list of what they want to change when you come back before you hit mm-hmm. the stage. Because we had, like, I think, like two weeks back in the room. We had four weeks off, and then we had two ask, weeks yeah. in the okay. room uh, before we're like hitting the stage. Sure, and. Um, going and we had you know uh we had mopsa was a narrator at one point in san francisco really because there had been another character in the show um that ended up getting cut and then they kind of divvied up the character mostly they gave it to um the oracle pythio Mm -hmm. and the other function of that character was serving as narrator and they gave that to mopsa and they figured out out of town and that was in a lot of the reviews too and in their feedback was that you either need to like go further with this or cut this because we don't mm-hmm. really need it's this. In between. Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, we don't need it. Yeah. And um, so that that was one of the big structural changes we immediately started off with when we came back. And mm-hmm. so that there's a lot of things you kind of have to restructure with that. Um, even because you're like, okay, well, this is cr- this cross is different, or now she has these lines that don't make sense because she hasn't been the person mm-hmm. leading us on this journey. Sure. Um. So it was that kind of stuff that was really our biggest changeover when we came back um, to New York. But otherwise, we kind of dove into previews to see what was happening and when they're in the audience figuring out this dialogue is too much. Or, you know, we wanted Mm. like a a fast moving two hour and 15 minute show. Right. Right. Rather than two and a half, right. which Michael Mayer, it's it's it is interesting. He's like, it's a big difference. It is that if you if you leave oh, yeah. the theater at ten fifteen, how you really clock that, but mm-hmm. it's not ten thirty. It's only yep. fifteen minutes, but it's a big deal. It is a really big deal. Yeah. yeah, it's very true. You wouldn't think so that there'd be a big difference in those fifteen minutes, but yeah, there are. Yeah, yeah, it's a people feel it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they feel it when they get home. I mean, they get home and they go, God, it's 1130 or they go, Oh, look, it's 11. Or it's yeah, 11. for They're sure. Like, sure. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it does affect, I think, retroactively how you feel about for the sure. show sometimes. For you sure. You're like, Oh God, it was just, I was we got <laughs> yeah. home so late. Like, how'd you think of the yeah. show? We got home so late. That's not, okay. You didn't right. answer my question. But. Well, with ours, it was such an ensemble piece of so many, 
stories going mm-hmm. that if you keep it clippy, that you're not lingering too long on anybody's stories. And so you're not like, well, that was overdrawn because you were going back and forth between right. all these stories. So you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And moving it along. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, it is, it was a, uh, Head Over Heels was a, again, Broadway show. I mean, it had yeah, that like sure. real vibe to it of being, just like Millie, a, you know, sir, it was Go-Go's music, sure. Yeah. And it was, it was Greek comedy and dr- and tragedy on top of each other but it was the the commonality of that that sort of Venn diagram it was funny that the yeah. discovery of the middle was broadway <laughs> like yeah. somehow that's what the middle was yeah. yeah and it's a really it was a really it's a testament to the to the creators of that show and to all of you that it was like the attitude was always correct of being like right. it should be a broadway show so anytime it's not or anytime it's missing or anytime that like, that's what we should always be be aiming for yeah and then like you say with your entrance being the moment where it should just pop it should just happen this yeah. audience wants it just just go just go yeah we don't need to set them up we don't no. need any of that they understand and then they moved like part of the dialogue from that into an earlier scene so we still get that part of like mm-hmm. and you're like there's information yeah and then there it goes through yep yeah i mean it's it's i would say unique among quote-unquote jukebox musicals for yeah. that reason that it really i it's one of those ideas that i'd never go you know, oh, Go-Go's Jukebox Musical. Okay. Wait, Go-Go's Jukebox Musical. What? Like, <laughs> yeah. set where? With who yeah. and how? Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 a real, I mean, it's a big swing. And I really always, I always appreciate a big swing. And especially as a creative person, it encourages me to take big swings. Yeah. You know? And it, it's just that the satisfying artistic nature of that being what should be paramount and what should yeah. always be most important. And I think that in show... It may get dismissed or it may get lost because a show like Millie isn't like Drowsy Chaperone, which is dealing with a lot of the same comedy and the same time period and the same sort of glitz of old Broadway, quote yeah. unquote, but in a parody way. Right. So we can all kind of safely distance ourselves from it emotionally. Yeah. Like Millie is right in there. Right. With an emotional storyline. I mean, the the moment to me that it's the the ride or die moment for most Broadway musicals is the act two opener. Yeah. And like getting me back it, especially with Millie ending an act one with her discovering him coming out of the room of the character we eventually find out is his sister. Yeah. And the general comedic misunderstanding that that right. creates, of course. Um, and uh, but starting act two with um, forget about, forget the, about boy. the boy. No canary in a cage for me. Canaries ready to fly free. Cut the cord. Is that a man I once adored? He's nothing but an albatross. No great loss. Double crosser. Forget about the boy. Pull the plug. Ain't he the one who pulled the rug? He's lower than an alley cat. Dirty rat. And I flatter. Forget about the boy. Forget about the boy. Forget about. Which is just a, you're right back in it. Yeah. Giant tap. Tony number, which is what they oh, do absolutely. on the Tonys, yeah. you know? And, yeah. And, yeah. And it, it's it, and it's so typical of a lot of the numbers. It was a great Tony performance, yes. and obviously, and but also a good advertisement for the show. I'm always oh interested gosh, what yeah. people pick for the Tonys for that reason. Yeah. Because, you know, and it's rare, I think, that you do your Act 2 opening number 
yeah. at the Tony Awards because it's generally a resetting, like get yeah, everybody back into it. Back. Yeah. I always think of Learn Your Lessons Well from Godspell as yes. being like the typical Broadway second act. It's like, okay, we just everybody sit down. We're going to resume the show. Uh, but that is, yeah, the plot is still moving forward. The right. character is in crisis. She's having trouble at work. I still love the the yell during that of Maury Shriver's CPA. Yeah. <laughs> It cracks me up, that name. Such a perfect, perfect name for that scene. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a dancing Barney show. Shriver. Barney Shriver. There you go. Barney. Thank you. Yeah. I, I wonder how much... It, 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 it It's one of those shows that I really feel like that people don't quite... They don't give enough credit to, frankly. Yeah. I mean, even though it was a weird thing to say for a show that won the Tony Award for Best Musical. Yeah. But I feel like it gets a little dismissed. It be it, because it is so typical Broadway musical, live hard on its sleeve, out front, and not like Drowsy Chaperone to say a straight parody. It is right. honestly telling us this story, and those kinds of stories can often get by people who are like I was when I was the, when the show came out a little bit snobby and a little bit like, well, it's all should be art for whatever it all should be brooding yeah. and dark or like you're in town deeply ironic or whatever yeah. you know what I mean it has to have that other layer to it I think yeah there's so much about how people interact with musicals that I find fascinating uh-huh. especially having you know done one on Broadway that I felt like there was a lot of um feelings about my show before you even saw my show Mm-hmm. Whether oh, yeah. about the snob as being like a jukebox or yeah, uh, that and you're like, but just try it, just see, it. you know. And I think I'm someone that thinks there's room for everything, sure, and hopefully room for all voices. And I would love to see more voices of like people of color and more women and art made by them for them mm-hmm. that that also has a chance in mainstream for us all to see and mm-hmm. appreciate, um, as well as. A well-done jukebox musical, and as well as a super, super traditional Broadway, over-the-top, just spectacle. Mm-hmm. I want it all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. And I think if you walk into something appreciating it for what it is and leaving yourself open, um, God, theater's supposed to be fun and enjoyable. And I just, I think it's so fascinating the people that like make it their job to go in to hate something or to like, oh my gosh, yes. just to bitch about something or like. Right. And it's just, I'm like, well, how many shows have you put up on Broadway, sir and or ma'am? Well, and why are you going? Exactly. I mean, that's like, like I do, because it's so funny to me. Like, you, you, you do a show like this, and people go, oh, it's not serious enough. And then you do another show, maybe that's very dramatic. I mean, I was just talking about this a little bit ago, so it's in the front of my head, but like the... Um, the original production of Follies or the original production of of West Side Story being viewed as like, oh, it's too serious and I don't want to spend my evening at the theater dealing with something that's serious. Well, those would be the extremes of thought. So what do you want exactly? Like, I mean, and there are, you want something in the middle. Yeah. The middle is our most boring place to live. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe they do. I mean, maybe the middle is fantastic. Maybe some people just, yeah, or maybe, like, to me that's also like movies and like, TV show like yeah. what are you in the mood for tonight? Right. Oh God, I can't do I can't do like a drama tonight. I need like a comedy. Yeah, exactly. I get that. Right. But then to, like shut yourself off from it forever. Oh, serious. Well, music. so many people have asked me and my wife, like, oh, have you watched The Handmaiden's Tale? I started and I couldn't deal with. That's it. the thing is, I was just like, I I can't now. Like it's, it I'm, I'm so glad close, it exists. Too close to comfort. Yeah, it should it. it should absolutely exist. I'm glad it's popular. Out. I'm glad people are watching it and taking the lessons from it that it deserve. And I, I can't right now. 
it, it's too real. I watched like yeah. three episodes and I was about to have a panic attack. Yeah. I was like, I'm done. I can't do this. It's just, which is, I mean, that's brutally honest art. Fantastic. Yeah. Like, but it's, you know, it, it, and I want it to continue. And if I had like a ratings box or felt I had any influence on whether it continued, I'd subscribe to Hulu. I guess I do. Like that, yeah. that's my, I'm giving it my money. That's yeah. fine. Uh, I want it to continue. I want it to exist. I want it to challenge. But I also like, I can't right now. I've got like three kids and I need to take a nap and rest sometimes. And oh I can't sleep if that's like what I'm, because yeah. that's what I'm consuming in the news, which I feel like I need to consume to be right. a person. I can't also consume that. Yeah. all the time in my art i need to relax and breathe otherwise i'm not a good person yeah. <laughs> i'm not a father i'm not a good member of society and yeah i mean for me i, I don't know about what, what you go see shows and things for but for me it, it it's i really like to see artists express themselves yeah whatever that expression might be i was also just talking about how like i mean high art doesn't have to be super self-serious and depressing and all that it can be like the play that goes wrong which is the funniest thing I've ever seen, I think, in my entire life, and is a genuine artistic expression about like theater and the love of theater yeah. and shared experiences we've all had. The scene in that play where the one character forgets his line and they go in a circle four times, I laughed so hard and also had a panic attack <laughs> at the same time of having been on stage yeah. where someone was delivering a monologue oh, God. and got stuck. No. And you were just sitting there, I mean, it was in high school, and you're just like, can I... Can I'm try like I don't have a line here, but maybe I can at least like kick hit the record player and, and right. the needle will jump. We'll just move on. Right. But like you know, he went around three times before he found the off ramp, and that's just you're dying up there on stage. Oh my god! Absolutely killing yourself. And but you're. I wonder how much of it also is an uh, effect of how I don't know about you, but I feel very over entertained. Yeah. Do you feel that way? And it seems that there's so much niche entertainment available kind of whenever wherever at yeah. any given moment that when you go see a show for you know to be fair a significant amount of money yeah and it's not exactly what you want there's an anger i sense from people that i never had really experienced before yeah like their time was wasted yeah and i'm just you know okay like maybe but like it doesn't right. not everything has to be exactly what you want like right. could, can it be Pretty much what you want or almost what yeah. you want. Or did you have fun? Well, I think know. what people forget, it becomes so removed and it's, I don't even know if it's like social media. There, there's just, it's just a different world right now. Even with people and their expectations of a stage door and their anger oh my gosh. when um, actors don't come out. And yeah. that didn't used to be the case. Like all these years, when I went to Millie all those years ago mm -hmm. and, um, you know, there weren't that many people right. and there weren't many people because it wasn't like that big of a deal and it right. was cool and not everybody came out. And if you saw a couple of people, it was really exciting and that was it. Yeah. And, um, and now these angry tweets are these people like, how dare you? And I it's mean, like, you did not purchase a meet and greet. I don't know what no, to tell you. Right. And there's all these expectations of what you owe me because of the amount of money I, I paid. Know. And on top of that, you know, I became, I feel like I, I've always loved, theater no matter what but like you know there's always the little bit that you judge things it's oh, just sure. a human being but i became a, a lot a much kinder audience member after doing a show on Broadway. oh i'm sure you did and oh my gosh yes. because it is such hard yeah. hard work and you always it's amazing anything always goes up that. at all yeah. yeah oh my god and you've yeah. always known that but the production of putting something on broadway and the insane 
pressure and all of the the steps along the way and the fears and will it because it is a business and it is hard to get something to work. Yeah. And um all the pressures of everybody around you and them freaking out and you're like, oh God, like it's just so much work and everybody backstage and everybody that has worked so hard to put up a product that can get torn down in a review that you're like, but that's not the show I'm in. I don't understand, right. you know. Um, that when I went and saw something, I won't say it because no, that would be fine. rude, right. but that a lot of people said, oh, about, I found all the things that I enjoyed in it mm -hmm. and was like, and if you want to talk like a friend, be like, well, and I was like, well, no, the book isn't great, but you know what? This was great. And this was great. Mm -hmm. And the actors are so good. I had a great time. Yeah. And I had somebody say like, what? And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to tell you. I went in wanting to have a good time. So right. I had one. Mm hmm is it going to win the Pulitzer? No. Right. <laughs> but like I found this and this and this. Yeah. And um, therefore I was like inspired that these people are making this work right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's become vicious in a lot of ways. It has. I mean, so I feel I, I feel bad for her, for Laura Benanti specifically, I always think of who seems to be on the front line of a lot of yeah. vitriol all the time. Yeah. But partially because she responds to it. I think she's yeah. a lightning rod for it. But I find her responses because she's very, very good at them. Yes. Important that she articulates the other side. I mean, recently she had somebody tweet at her because she was out. Oh, yeah, because her daughter was her like daughter getting was an was IV. in the hospital. Right. And but like it was so funny to me. Like you want to get mad at somebody for not coming to the stage door. That's a new thing. And I get yeah. you're disappointed. Whatever. But like people are out sometimes. That's why we're human beings. It's what happens in the world. And this person like calling her unprofessional for being out. I'm just like, how many times have you seen a show and you have the little slip of paper in there? Which honestly for me is exciting. It was yeah. a little disappointing to be like, if I go to see Depending the show. On who it is. Yeah. On who it is. Oh, I wanted to see them do it. But that is somebody who never does this. Yeah. And they're I I, I can't I have to look up the actor's name real fast. So there's a a um um, well, when I even saw My Fair Lady, Laura was out. Sure. And uh, her understudy, Kirsten Anderson, I think is her mm -hmm. last name, is so unbelievable. And you just sat there and you're like, this girl's a star. That's amazing. Yeah. And you, you got know? to see her yeah. do that in that one. Like, in the Sutton time Foster was an understudy. Exactly okay. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, That's how she wound up where she was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's that. Who was I talking to? Oh, Andrea Burns. We were um, chatting about something and she said she'd come into the city to see the rink. I'm thinking oh, this wow. is right, and um, she saw an up and coming, an up and comer on as an understudy named Mary Testa. <laughs> well, that's a chance you get, you know. Yeah, it's that I mean, kind it's of stuff, the, and it's it's the nature. But that's why we do theater. To me, yeah. like it's live. It's it's happening. It's yeah. not a movie. It's not yeah. pre-recorded. It's it's live and happening in front of you and things can go wrong, but also like amazing miracles can When happen. I first saw Legally Blonde, I saw um Annalie Ashford was on for L, which apparently she only went on once. And I was oh there my. that night. Look and then I you. I did go back and I saw her Margot, but like it's that kind of stuff. And now right. she's a Tony, you know what right. I mean? Like Oh sure. It's all over the internet is not working so I'm unable to look. The, the actor who originally played um Joe in Sunset Boulevard, whose name is escaping me. When I came to see Sunset Boulevard, he was off. Yeah. And so, you know, I think Elaine Page had replaced at that point. So that's I saw that and it was great. And then years later, um, he was doing the national tour of Contact in, in the Boyd Gaines role. And I went to review it for our school paper, Humblebrag. And uh, he was off and it was his understudy. <laughs> but I remember sitting there being like, this is really funny. I'm never going to see him perform. Yeah. Like it's just, And it's a funny little. And the guy I saw do it 
was amazing. Yeah. Because this was his shot. Like, it was that feeling of, like, he was taking it seriously. He's like, I'm not going to get to do this very often, so here I go. And it does tend to inject a little bit of life into whatever show of a different energy because like yeah. it does anytime somebody else steps into a part yeah. and suddenly the room's different and I'm sure part of it is the other actors being like are they going to do this right like are they because that's a dance show like is he going to hit those marks because we got to dance around him like okay here we go but there's also that part of like oh somebody different is talking to me and saying these same lines yeah. again like saying them slightly different yeah. and yeah I saw Xanadu three times and I never oh. saw Cheyenne Jackson <laughs> not once <laughs> I love Xanadu so much. I, I just, am obsessed with Xanadu. I love Xanadu. And you know the movie genius? and the musical. His uh, understudy was Curtis Holbrook, who was genius. Mm-hmm. And now I like uh, don't really know him all that well. But um, the the few times I remember, yeah, you, I know yeah. his wife Courtney. And so when I met him, I was like, you know, I saw you in Xanadu three times so as the lead. And he was like, oh my god, what? That's and it was so just funny. random. It was just mm-hmm. like because they weren't back to back. They were different right. times of the year. Luck of the draw. But he was so funny and mm-hmm. so good and so i was like i will always remember you as that being like this brilliant leading man and he was like oh that's so nice <laughs> he was so good in that show there's also this thing that i think one thing that gets a little bit maybe not ignored but but downplayed is that the, the social media has kind of turned everyone into a critic oh, a God, published yes. critic i should say everyone's already a critic you come out of a show you have opinions and often we would be sharing them you know around dinner or drinks after the show yeah. and talking and maybe being catty if we're like having fun but whatever. Right. But the the not only the ability to publish your thoughts but the there's this weird feeling of responsibility social media gives you where you feel like you have to publish your thoughts. Yeah. And even when we do promotions and stuff, I'm the worst social media from anyone who follows me will tell you. <laughs> um like I had big hopes for this New York trip and I posted big and early and then it just I couldn't keep it up because I've got <laughs> I've got recordings to do. You know what I mean? Like I've yeah, got things and my got break, work. and guests would leave and I'd be like, Oh, we didn't take oh shoot, we didn't take a picture. Like sh- we should have done that. Like it's just not where my head's at. My head's at the next yeah. thing I have to do. And and I did feel that sort of like that was a missed opportunity. Hey, but then there's this weird second sensation where you're like, Oh, people really wanted that. And nobody cares. I mean, yeah. maybe they do. Maybe they'd like it if it happened, but nobody missed it, you know? Yeah. And I think the thing it's the same thing was your opinion on like I mean, for me it hit its like apex of where I actually like got offline for a little while was when the Ghostbusters movie came out a couple of years ago and I was just like, I don't can we all just please yeah. see the movie, maybe? Yeah. And then like talk about what's going on? Yeah. It really feels like everyone's a published author. Yeah. And feels they have to have that opinion for it. Because critics are critics and critics are gonna critique, I guess would be the word. Um and they're paid to come and sit and give their hopefully well thought out opinion. Uh, yes, that uh, yes, you and I both yes. If you've been reviewed by a major publication, there's that eye roll. Yeah. Uh but that's their job. It's one at the end of the day, it's one person's opinion, and that's their job, and that's the agreement we've all decided yeah. to have. But like whoever at whatever you know on Twitter, there's there's this ownership they feel to, to condemn publicly people like yeah. you say don't go like even to the don't go to the stage tour. The show wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be, not even what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and you know, were you open to the show because? Shows like big Broadway musicals, I mean, Head Over Heels tells you in the first five minutes exactly what it is. Yeah. Most good plays and musicals do that. And are you watching? Are you listening? Are you absorbing? Or are you preparing your pithy 140-character response? (laughs) And hope to make it catty enough that people laugh and make it go viral. Yeah. It's like 
my whole thing where you're like, what are you? Okay. Yeah. Just, but just enjoy th- things. There are some people that like, oh, God, like the Broadway World message boards and stuff. Oh, well, that's like, a whole other. Just stay away from those. The Reddit you know, I've of heard Times Square. Actors yeah, no. that are like, but this. And I was like, why don't. are you looking? Oh, don't. Don't look. Don't, don't, Do don't, don't. Do not look into anything. How does it help? It doesn't. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just. It's not good for your performance. It's not good people. for your, your self health. It's no. not good for anything. No, 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 no. I'll see like tweets but like addressing like broadway world message board and i'm always like do not look at those don't what are you, what doing? Are you doing don't yeah. look into it right stay on your work right don't do it don't do it and even if you try i mean it's the lara Benanti thing again because even if you try she announced sort of from the beginning that she wasn't going to be doing stage door because it was the the winter yeah. Yeah. she has a small child and, and she personally the... has health problems yeah and she's like so i'm not doing stage door. i need to go home and rest so i can do the show yeah from the top, she said that. And she still, all the time, people come at her for not doing stage door. So she like she tried, but like short of posting a sign on the door, which why yeah. would you do that? Why? It's, yeah, stage door is not a right. <laughs> it's a privilege. Uh-huh. And God bless the people who do it every show. I mean, I've seen yeah. people who do that, like, I, nothing but respect for that. That's yeah. amazing, your ability to like, after doing a show have the energy and the stamina to like stand there and talk to people and smile and get your picture taken and sign playbills. Like I'm sure it's gratifying on one level, but on another level, it's like, I really would like to, I'm, you're done work. Yeah. I and mean, it's that joke. Like if you're watching a Broadway show and somebody's doing some kind of, that person's at work right now. Yep. Like, you know how you were typing earlier? That person's at work. Yeah. That's what they do for a living. Yeah. Respect their workspace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a, well, it's a weird profession that, uh, it is a weird and you're profession. right on the front lines of it though. Also <laughs> to be putting yourself out there like that is no small. Well, and that's small another thing. thing I say, they want us to be always emotionally available for the characters and to cry in an instant mm-hmm. and to be hilarious here and there and there. And like, and yet you don't want me to be emotional as a human being. Right. Like I have to access these things and that's what, why mm-hmm. we all tend to be emotional beings because that's right. that's our job yeah is to work in emotions right and um and you're either very in touch or very closed off from your yeah. emotions usually when you do that for a living and yeah. i i was telling a story i was working on like a workshop of a musical with um hunter bell and jeff bowen oh nice and um and i was t- telling a story about like how i was crying at this commercial of something and they laughed and like oh god you're a mess and i was like you know what me crying at the commercial is why i can cry during your tree song every- <laughs> and i was like every time every time and you're like all right mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's the thing <laughs> I was like, is that- but that's it that's me being in touch yeah because you're not perf- you're not, I, the thing i always try to remind people is is like you know we're what i say so i'm writing a show with an actress right now who's never written anything before. And she's just like, how do you write when you don't want to write? And I tell her, I'm not paid to write. I'm paid to write and have something done by tomorrow. Like, you're not paid to sing. You're paid to sing at 7.30. Yeah. Like, that's the deal. You're paid to be funny at 8. Yeah. That's the job. And anybody can be funny whenever they want to be. Anybody can sing whenever they want. You have to do it because the ticket says, you know, when the curtain goes up, you have to do it whether you feel like it or not. I mean, the Irving Berlin quote is right, but, you know. That's what it is. You have yeah. to, you know, the show must go on. As they, somebody said that once, I think. I think it was Freddie Mercury. And uh, yeah, it's absolutely true. Quickly running back to Millie, what's your favorite song? Uh, I th- I mean, it might be Gimme Gimme. I also love, I just love that song mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really love um, I Turn the Corner. Turn the corner, and there you stood. 
your smile like home to me, your heart familiar, no use pretending, not that I could, I turn the corner when I met you, I turn the corner, stopped on a dime Like I remembered Someone long forgotten No mere flirtation No marking time I turned the corner When I met you When I met you I just love like the emotional journeys that you hear in these songs Mm -hmm. like that you feel what's going like even just the beginning of gimme was like um gimme gimme and just like that bump is clear to me that she's like i want i want money no yeah i'm gonna be fine with money Mm -hmm. and it's back and forth it was like you know what no and then the music changes it's like you hear it in the music you hear it in um the lyrics and so those those are ones that I listen to all the time, but I also am obsessed with the opening. It's so mm-hmm. good. I mean, oh, yeah. so much of it it's is a fun opening. It's just, uh, yeah. It, I listened to it as I was like <laughs> pulling up to New York. You know, I like right. was blaring it in the car in the back seat. My parents are up front, like moving me to New York from Ohio, and I was just like crying and <laughs> singing about it, like not for the life of me, <laughs> like just ready to go. Modo Dio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it all came true. Yeah. See. Here we are. Yeah. That's but that's and that's the that yeah that's so great. That's a that's a great answer. <laughs> you so much Bonnie yeah for thanks coming for down. having me how can people find you online um on Twitter I am at belting Bonnie and on Instagram I'm at belting bonds B-O-N-S uh, you know it's more casual <laughs> you're looking at my life <laughs> that's Instagram it's just that's more, Instagram it's more casual more it's more like personal it's right. more relaxed and Twitter's much more professional <laughs> I don't know but it's what it is Hey, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> did Robbie give you your Twitter handle? Is he did. True? Yeah. Yeah. I I'd had you. my I'd had my Instagram handle, Belting Bonds. And then I had sung at a concert he was at and he came up to me and he was like, Are you on Twitter? And I was like, No. And he like took my phone of course and he like did. signed me up of as Belting Bonnie on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then it stuck. And I was like, Well, all right. Professionally <laughs> Belting Bonnie. To do. There you go. Professionally Belting Bonnie. Thank you so much for talking Thank you for having wonderful. me. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts from the convenience of your iPhone and or check out the original cast on Stitcher if that's how you get down. My thanks to Bonnie Milligan for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs>